travel nursing, the industry, and what Congress is doing because they're getting involved in staffing overcharges supposedly. So Congress penned a letter and it's going to be, they're, you know, they're trying to get an investigation going to see whether travel nurses and aid agencies were overcharging for their work to hospitals. Oh, I gotta go. I've been working, told them please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bro, just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog, swear I paid on my fees. I was starving for this day, now my fan, they can't eat. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Cup of News with your host, Matt, and myself, Peter. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you for your time. Make sure you check us out on couplenurses.com. We keep all our show notes there. We have a bunch of cool blog posts. We have literally everything that's couple nurses related, on click study guides, some travel nursing information on the website. And also make sure you check out the shop as well, some cool merch. Matt's wearing one shirt right now. For those of you that are audio only, it says love with some syringes, the healthcare sign, a stethoscope, and some band-aids spells out love um, that and other cool merch on there as well as we are frontlinewarriors.com that is our place that we keep all our mindfulness wellness health related things uh, a lot of cool blog posts there a lot more stuff coming out uh, slowly week by week and there's of course a shop over there as well for all your mindful merchandise like the shirt that i'm wearing that says inhale exhale because we need to breathe to survive and breathing also comes down and helps us move forward individually and as like you could say a human civilization yes. uh, don't forget to also check out prontohealth.com that is something if you sign up for it's more geared towards travel healthcare you could say in a sense but it, it also has a little bit of like staffing information that's something we are going to roll out in the near future but right now we could just toss your email in there and subscribe to it and that way we'll keep you updated on what's happening over there it's something that's revolutionizing healthcare industry as a, as a whole and it should be out hopefully in the next uh, couple months here. And also check us out on YouTube. That's Couple Nurses on YouTube. We keep all our vlogs there. We have some nursing briefments every time Matt and I finish a three, three in a row shift. We always talk about it, what we learned, kind of mistakes that we've made, how to improve, and just our nursing life here in Texas. So how's it going, Matt? I'm great, man. Another wonderful jam-packed episode today. We're going to talk about travel nursing, the industry, and what Congress is doing because they're getting involved in staffing overcharges supposedly. So Congress penned a letter and it's going to be, they're, you know, they're trying to get an investigation going to see whether travel nurses and aid agencies were overcharging for their work to hospitals. Yeah, and this is crazy how this is coming out now because <clears throat> if you guys remember a few episodes ago, Matt and I actually talked about these giant contract prices for, for, for nurses. I mean, that also includes all like, you know, healthcare professionals, CNAs, respiratory techs, and, and all that. They're making a lot more now than they have pre-pandemic. And we, we talked about this, like, where is money coming from? Because there's always a staffing issue in nursing, and there's always a, a pay issue with, with nursing. And the excuse was always, hey, we don't have enough money for these ratios. We don't have enough money to increase your salaries by, by you know, a bigger percentage. But hey, it turns out that money is coming in from somewhere. And... We weren't really sure where it's coming from or how, how it works, but obviously the travel nursing agencies were making a lot more money during the pandemic than they were pre-pandemic, same with the hospitals. Now, now, now that results in having these higher paid contracts because now they're somehow 
is money in the system. I'm not sure if it's due to like government bailouts or just whatever um, revenue plans that they pass as a government, but it's crazy how, how much contracts are going for. It's like two to three, two to three times more than they used to, man. It's crazy. Yes, it is. And this is what the letter is exactly saying. So there was over five senators that put together a letter that stated they received anecdotal reports that staff nursing agencies are vastly inflating the price by two, three times the pre-pandemic rates. Mm. And they're taking in 40% or more of that amount being charged to the hospitals for themselves in profits. Yeah. So, I mean, 40% is a high margin. It's high. So if you take 40% out of like $5,000, for example, that a lot of nurses make on a week during a pandemic, that's $2,000. So you, and potentially you could, you could be making $2,000 more, but that $2,000 is going to the, the agency, you could say. And that's just the amount they're telling you. They said it's roughly 40%. And that's just the cost they found. So there's probably even a, a bigger percentage that you're getting taken out for these agencies without you even knowing it. But 40% yes. is a big chunk. It's probably more in like the, I feel like 50% because some of it obviously goes unnoticed. Yeah, and they're asking for one or more federal agencies to investigate exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. And some insider info, because we're of course in the travel nursing niche, so we can understand how things are going. The way this all started was back in 2020 mm -hmm. during the start of pandemic when um, Aya was charging high bill rates for uh, New York when all that happened. And supposedly the bill rates were up to like 350 bucks. Mm -hmm. And what happened is, and hospital realized this, and they knew that they were getting gouged on the price, and they filed the complaint. So this is where it all started. Uh, I know there's different states like Delaware and Pennsylvania that filed a complaint as well for high prices and staffing agencies because they can't keep up with the demand. There's just no money in the system supposedly to pay for travel agency nurses, and then the staff nurses, they can't retain them because of how... In, enticing looks for them to leave and go travel. Mm. You know what's interesting? Remember how we did a contract? Now, I don't want to, you know, um, defame a Total Med or whatever, but we took a contract in, in Oakland from Total Med. I remember like a year later or like a year and a half later, we got a check saying that we were like underpaid part or something. Part of a lawsuit. Yeah. yeah, it was part of a lawsuit. So this was pre-pandemic too. So that just shows you like Matt and I got like a, like a check regarding an, an agency because they were underpaying us. So... This was already going on pre-pandemic. So imagine how much more is going on during a pandemic because it's an emergency, right? And that's just, that's happened to us. Like what are odds of it happening to us? N you feel like it's not very high, but if it happened to us, it probably happened to a bunch of other nurses because Total Med is a travel nursing agency. And if they kind of, you could say ripped us off, they probably ripped off other people as well. And look, it came to the forefront that, hey, they owe us more money than they gave us. And that was pre-pandemic. So now we're saying that the travel agencies are getting busted of overcharging during a pandemic. So it's like kind of no shit because it was happening I, before. Yeah. I can see that happening. And I'm envisioning this like a dealership where like the a used car dealership. Yeah, the contracts are the cars that are being sold. And unfortunately, recruiters and these agencies, they're the dealership and salesmen that are just trying to get the freaking car out of the lot. So they're going to push their prices. Sometimes they are high. You know, of course, they're going to try to push their margins as high as they can and then try to like you know, if the nurse is kind of going higher in the price, where well, that's where they're losing their margin and mm -hmm. trying to negotiate a contract. So that's the way I see it. Um, but for those nurses that are kind of listening to this, wondering what's going to happen to the travel and nursing industry when all this happens. So we don't think it's going to impact the nurse at all because nurses have already been understaffed for years. And this is not necessarily an agency thing that's happening. I mean, you could have one company that could get in trouble for this if they do investigations, but this is more of the market is dictating the price, not necessarily the travel agencies where 
they're gonna get busted for this. But now that I'm thinking like, what are all these agencies going like a collective effort and they say, fine, we're gonna charge less, but then instead of them taking less profit, they're gonna offer less money for the contract for the nurse. You know what I'm saying? Like they got screwed over, so they're not gonna let themselves get screwed over. They're going to keep pushing who gets screwed over. Yeah, I just I hope it's gonna happen. I just don't think they're gonna get screwed over because, you know, this is the hospitals fighting back right now, and the American Hospital Association is probably fighting back and trying to represent the hospitals because the CEOs are probably complaining of the bill rates. But let's keep in mind that every single C nineteen patient that came in through the doors, the government got reimbursed reimbursed at thirty five k. That's a lot of money. Lot. So don't tell me you guys don't have pockets for this. You know, maybe there was a scenario or two that looked bad, but that doesn't mean as a collective we have to get punished, you know, and back to the whole right. thing of supply, demand, and uh, the market. Yeah, and it's 35K for just the COVID patient. So they're going to 35 k 19 bro. Or, damn, little, little little mosquito in this house. I'm hoping not, hope it's not going to bite me. But like this whole C19, the 35K per C19 patient, that's the base rate. That's not all the extra stuff that's getting added on to it that we're still charging insurances and all and like the whole the whole healthcare system. 35K is like the base rate. Like, you know, how you have a base rate in your travel nursing contract, you're gonna you have a, a base rate. Like if a COVID patient comes out, that's automatically 35K. Yeah. Not and then whatever else is above that, you could charge it to, but base rate of 35K no matter what. Isn't that crazy? Doesn't matter if that patient goes to tele, doesn't doesn't matter if that patient goes to observation, doesn't matter if it goes to the ICU, to metric, oncology, doesn't matter. That's 35K. And yeah. then you could build whatever else you want on top of that. That's wild. So it's like we don't and we don't know how the hospital and the um, benefited off that. Yeah. What if like the patient was stable and it was just like on a couple liters of O2 and they still wanted us to keep them on two, three days yeah. overnight or observation because they could build an insurance company. Right. So we don't know that side because that's not disclosed of how privatized the hospital, you know, healthcare system yeah. is. And what's crazy to think about how screwed over nurses are. It is you get in a hospital's best financial in interest to keep nursing salaries low, right? That's if they could pay nurses less because we're like the biggest burden you could say on the on the on the, on the hospital financial system. They got if they keep the prices as low as possible. That benefits them, and also travel nursing agencies are also doing the same thing. We think about it because if they could pay less, they could pay you less for that contract. Guess what? The agency is profiting off, off that. Yes. So it's like both sides. Are in the business. mindset, yeah, and are in the mindset of hey, we need to keep these travel nurses on a salary as low as possible because <laughs> when the salary is low as possible, everybody else makes money, which is crazy to think about. But I can't, we just realize that right now. Yeah, it's and, wild. And for those that are trying to understand on how the travel nursing agency works, or maybe didn't listen to our previous episodes, let's give let's give an example to understand this. So you have a bill rate of a hundred dollars, and this is going to be the bill rate that the hospital is going to pay directly to the agency. So that's a hundred bucks that the agency gets. Now they have to pay the nurse. So usually there's margins and smaller companies have smaller margins, larger hospitals or larger agencies have larger margins because they have more top heavy staff and everybody has to get paid. So if the travel agency makes 30% off that bill rate, that means that travel nurse gets 70 bucks an hour, agency keeps the 30, and whatever the difference is. And that this is where, you know, the margins kind of come into play. You can negotiate the pay and they adjust margins and some companies have specific uh, cutoffs, but that's like the main scenario of how you get paid. And then it gets broken into stipends and uh, 
and what's it called the hourly rate but that kind of goes deeper into the whole breakdown of the contract mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's like for those of you that aren't travel nursing um once you do start travel nursing or if you're thinking about doing it it's a little bit more more complex and complicated like a staff job because it's more like independent work you could say and that's also another reason why travel nursing is, is a lot more profitable for nursing is because you have less stuff by you have less stuff being done by the outside factors of, of you you could say because when you're travel nursing you have to a look for your contract and keep negotiating contract compared to if you're a staff nurse whatever you get hired for as your hourly pay, that's your hourly pay for the whole rest of the year. Then you get like a little little raise. For travel nurses, you're renegotiating pay basically every 13 weeks. So it, it gets it could get a little overwhelming sometimes, but you gotta understand that this is this is what you have to do to make that much more money. You know, the more stuff you're able to do alone, the more money you, you're gonna make as, as a person and even as, as a business, right? If you could keep a lot of things in-house, well, guess what? There's less money leaving, more of it staying in, and that's kind of how travel nursing works. And that's why you kind of finagle the system in, like to your best interest to make the most money possible as, as a nurse, and that is through travel nursing because you're basically dictating on where your money's going. The shitty thing about it as well is that there's really no uh, like 401k opportunities, no like savings opportunities because you're always changing contract, always changing agencies, unless you really, really like one agency. But besides that fact, you're always looking for the next biggest contract, next best contract, and you got to kind of figure out the rest yourself. Yeah. Only th- only thing you're guaranteed is that check when you're working, and that's it. Everything out- outside of that, investment-wise, insurance-wise, health-wise, paperwork-wise, that's all you. But that's, that's why the money's there is because you're handling most of your stuff. Yep. Mm. And with the whole Congress thing, so AMN actually had a response on what they thought about the situation. So AMN is one of the largest travel staffing agencies in America. They they represent 17% of the market share for uh, travel nurses and 17 uh, and 12% of market share for allied, which is x-ray, tech, CT scan, respiratory therapists, and et cetera. So just to give you a perspective, there's about 1,000 agencies that are operating for travel nurses, uh, 500 agencies that are relevant to the game, and there's one agency that owns almost a quarter of that mm. game. So, I mean, they're, they're big. And uh, Kelly Ratuowski, which is the chief operating officer of AMN, said that pricing is agreed upon directly with our healthcare organization clients. Infl- inflationary, inflationary pressures and demands are driving up the wages needed to attract clinicians to open positions, which is us. Any price increase are driven primarily by the compensation that goes directly to the healthcare practitioners. So... Yeah, again, supply demand. There is a need for travel nurses. I mean, let's face it, they're in New York that you know, when all this happened, like you were scared. You didn't know what you were expecting. Mm-hmm. You felt like you were going to war. Because mm-hmm. that's the mentality I, I had. So yeah, we deserve those higher rates where dealing with less PPE, bad ratios, no breaks, all that stuff that goes into a burnout. Hell yeah, we do freaking deserve more pay. How are you gonna start investigating that if it's just a market um demand? Right. Even in pre-pandemic, there was a high demand in nurses, but a, but a low supply. Pre-pandemic, units were short-staffed. So imagine if you have a imagine you already had a short-staffed unit, and then a pandemic hit, which puts everything into overdrive. So your your units gonna be even shorter during a pandemic. We were 
nursing wise, we were not very prepared for pandemic. That's why we had all these these shortage issues and all these all these you know problems going on in New York and Chicago and L.A. and you know Texas everywhere in Florida. You had freaking mm-hmm. military boats pulling up to the ocean. Yeah. Supposedly we were taking patients back then. I remember that. Yeah. I was like, damn, right? This is, this is some shit. Mm-hmm. And this is what's what happens when you kind of de- delay the inevitable, right? How much? How year after year? Nurses were asking for better ratios, higher pay every year. Better ratios, higher pay. 2015, better ratios, higher pay. 2016, same thing. 2017, 2018, better ratios, higher pay. And we never got it as nurses. And then, bam, pandemic hits. And now it's all of a sudden, everyone's it's wondering. A problem. Now it's all not, not, now people realize it's a problem. And hey, and now, and, and now people are wondering why are, are these contract prices so high? You got California contracts going for $10,000 a week for 36 hours. Well, no shit because there's not enough nurses. So obviously, if you're going to raise the price, you're going to get more nurses. That's what that's a logical thing to do. If I can hire somebody for five thousand dollars, well, guess what? I'm gonna try for seven thousand. If I can't do it for seven thousand, I'm gonna have to go to eight, nine, ten until I can hire somebody because there is a financial threshold where a nurse is willing to take the contract, no matter what the situation is. Those hospital units could be horrible, right? But for ten k, they're guaranteed there's a nurse to take that. They'll assignment. shut up and kind of eat, right. you know. And if you want to make some with somebody at work and like in worse conditions. Money is a motivator. That's the only way you're going to do it. Yeah. Because you're not going to pay somebody less money to work in a tough unit compared to somebody uh, that's working an easier unit that's making it, that's making the same amount of money. They're obviously going to take an easier unit. Yeah. No, because and, it's not worth the stress. And if you're trying to understand like the market and what we mean by supply demand, it's simple. So the pand- the national pandemic caused healthcare staffing shortages, but also added two things to the problem. One of them was the demand and price uh, and patients, which was the influx. And then also it drove nurses out due to the healthcare uh, burnout, the mandates and et cetera. So now you have more patients, less nurses, of course, price is going gonna go up. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's just how the bill rates started skyrocketing and these hospitals are starting, started getting upset with these agencies. Yeah, and it's like if you, could picture like a supply and demand issue. I'll give you guys some numbers. I looked it up before we hopped on this show. So in 2020, there was about a half a million nurses that that retired from from bedside. So it's half a million. So technically, we're a half million nurses short in 2021 because of the ones that retired in 2020. But the crazy thing about it is when I looked up the amount of people in nursing school, there was only about 250,000 to 350,000 nurses in nursing school. So technically, we don't even we are not even able to cover all the nurses that are retiring. We're roughly two hundred k short. Yeah, on of, just retirement, right? On just retirement, exactly. And you know, we, we can't even hit, we can't even hit, hit that benchmark. And let's say pre pandemic, we were still short nurses. So we were still short hundred thousand nurses that we still were playing catch up with because we couldn't catch up. And now the pandemic hit. Now it's even a greater burden. So now they're projecting that we need about one point one. A little bit over one million of nurses for 2022, and we can't even cover ourselves for the half million that we lost last year. Yeah, and look so at it's crazy. Look at the mandates too. I was kind of mm-hmm. briefly scrolling through. I'm not gonna. There's some maybe um, healthcare systems that lost like one percent, zero point like five percent. But Kaiser, for example, out of like 230 thousand staff in all of like Cali, they lost over 2,000 nurses just to them just due to the mandates. Mm-hmm. So that's adding a burden as well and some nurses are you, you know after they realize what the pandemic is some of them dipped they went to PRDM, they stepped down of course there's the whole travel nursing aspect but some people said i'm done with this mm-hmm. even in my uh, smaller hospital where i started in chicago i was kind of like bouncing back with 
and this was last year a conversation is they didn't want to work it wasn't worth it for them if right. you're close to retirement and you were almost trying to get like your full pension or whatever the case might be for your um, social security i don't even know how that works because i'm too young i don't want to know right and it's like they just said screw it. i'm just gonna go on retirement it wasn't worth the trouble that the pandemic gave nurses to deal with yeah and god forbid they catch covid like they are in a, in a higher mortality higher risk group because they're older so not only are they getting stressed out with the higher workloads they also have the risk of actually getting covid19 and having a hard time through it and getting sick and potentially dying and it's crazy because we had back in my unit in chicago we had an older nurse and she she dipped when a pandemic started but i believe her parents uh were very sick so it's like she had I don't want to call it a burden, but she had the struggle of A, taking care of her parents, B, working full-time, and C, now the pandemic is, is, is hitting. Yeah, you coming home every day knowing that something might happen yeah. to your parents. Right, and God forbid, exactly, it's her parents. So if she gets sick, what if she gets her parents sick? And then she's she's screwed. And you know, yeah. and that's like the hardest thing to live with if you're an older adult and your parents are, are older as well, and you get COVID-19, and you know, unintentionally, you don't, you, you don't know, and you give it to them, and they end up, end up passing away. Like that, that's horrible. Even though it's not your fault, you don't have any... It's, it's, you shouldn't blame yourself you as human beings and the way we were created and the way we are, we're always going to have a little bit of that guilt and you don't yeah. want to go through that. So people, so people said, fuck that guilt. I'm going to retire now. Screw the money. Money's not the, not the most important thing. My life is and the rest of my life is. So, so they dipped and we have this giant shortage now and we've had a giant shortage before the pandemic. So it's like wild how everything is, all this shit is in the fan at the same time. Yeah. It's also a cool perk that you just realize of travel nursing and I was aware of it is because you're traveling and you're not having family close by you're co you're coming home to in this case a few roommates or just you know being solo being alone mm. so you don't have the chance of exposing people to an infection if you acquired it uh, during your work time so that kind of gives you a peace of mind versus some nurses during this time were sleeping in hotels sleeping in the different rooms because they didn't know they're washing up before they enter the home like all these crazy things i'm just like I'm just gonna go to my to my home in Venice and just chill because right. I have nothing to worry about. Yeah, and the cool yeah. thing is even the perks of like a like dual travelers travelers like like you and I is so as travelers you kind of have this idea of like actually you don't really have an idea you just have this expectation of of the unknown that I'm going to this new new unit it, it is what it is I'm gonna work there but in a in the back of our mind we usually think of okay they're hiring travelers which means they're short so there is a probability of this unit being short and us being overworked. But what's cool is that Matt and I travel together and we're in the same hospital. We're basically extra staffing the, this, this unit. So it's always like cool to see. We got the benefit because it's you could tell when the unit is short, one nurse. Because usually if you do like three shifts in a row, on one of those those shifts, you're going to be a little bit more overworked because you're going to feel that, that that lack of one nurse. So Matt and I have the perk of working together. So so that one missing nurse, guess what? We got that covered if it happens exactly. to be like that. you know. So it's really cool about, about uh, like... Uh, dual nurses and what's really cool about travel nursing is like yeah you might be going to a unit that's uh, that's understaffed but at least you're entering entering a unit that's trying to staff because you're not at that staff shop that doesn't allow travel nurses because not every hospital allows travel nurses only during, during certain times or during certain issues if the budget allows it so your unit might not allow travel nurses and you could be short staffed and you're trying to catch up with hiring staff and hiring staff takes a lot longer than hiring travelers because you have to build them up. You have to interview a bunch of people. You got to pick a proper candidate compared to travelers. So you just hire them. We have that experience and we're ready ready and good to go. So it's cool that we work in hospitals, travelers that allow travelers because we are fitting, filling that shortage gap and they might just, we just might be just what they need. And it's cool. You turn a unit that's 
poorly staffed to now a fully staffed unit with a better work environment for yeah, both the staff there and us as travelers, which is which is a wonderful thing that to, to do, even though we're getting paid a lot of money and some people are a little bit upset because they're us- they're losing staff. But guess what? It is what it is. We're, we're high in demand. We're going to take advantage of the situation. Plus, we're a is. great resource. Like the night shift that we're working on, there is a lot of new grads mm. and they don't know a lot of things. And you're you're almost like their little mm. aid and resource because mm. the whole entire ICU is very new. I'm not sure what happened. Of course, we can speculate that it was a turnover. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people left for travel, whatever the mm. case might be. And yeah, you, you get to experience all that, which is amazing. And another thing I thought about is this unit that we work on, they had FEMA nurses coming mm-hmm. in. And those guys were getting paid like 150 bucks plus an hour, those bill rates. So who, who paid for them? Was it the hospital that paid or was it the federal government that was paying and aiding? Mm-hmm. Do you get a discounted price from the federal government because they're aiding during this pandemic? You know, questions I had because if, you, if the hospitals were affording government contracted workers to help for a high-ass bill rate, why are you complaining about travel agencies doing it? True. But you know, that's those are insider information that we don't have access to yet. Yeah, we should have somebody from FEMA on because the way I think about it, it's like almost subsidized. Like um, a unit is very short staffed and they need nurses now, but they don't have enough money to cover it. So I think FEMA comes in and says, hey, how about this? You did a bill rate for a hundred bucks. We, the government will f- throw in another 50. So instead of bill rate being hundred bucks, it's now hundred and fifty, and the government's taking some of that, some of that, some of the hit. But then these female nurses are getting paid more because they're getting hundred fifty instead of the hundred. Yeah, I think that's how it works. Oh, yeah, and I was just wondering when you're talking about us being being travel nurses in like a very young, you could say, unit. Um, I feel like sometimes it's easier for new nurses to ask questions and open up to travel nurses because we're not there for the long term. Yeah. So they might not feel like they're being judged. Or if they do feel like it, they feel it's like going temporarily because they're going to leave anyway. So I don't want the staff thinking I'm, I'm dumb or whatever. And you're not dumb, by the way, for asking questions. Some people might, might feel like dumb. self-consciousness. Yeah. You might just feel dumb asking like a staff, like a coworker a question. You know, feel free to ask travelers a question because if you are kind of scared about, about you know, having that be the way nurses view you as like, you know, you don't know everything, then ask travelers because guess what? We're there temporarily. So, you know, we're down to shoot the shit and we're also down to educate you. And you can ask us anything because worst case scenario, we're gone in 13 weeks. So if you're not sure or kind of kind of timid or scared to ask staff, feel free to ask us anything. We're always down to help. We might offer even better information than the staff does just because we have that wide perspective on how things were done in different states and, and different units. So we're, I feel like like travel nurses are, are very, are very valuable and very knowledgeable and the hospital staff should take advantage of that. Definitely, mm-hmm. man. And we're very versatile. Like mm-hmm. just this week I floated to three South and that was a telly floor and I had no idea what's mm-hmm. going on. You just, you know, get your assignment, get your phone. Here's a code, here's a break room and you're just adapting. But there's something super exciting about that where mm-hmm. you just, you know, there's, there's a basic formula of how to do bedside care. And then there's all those other aspects that come into as a traveler and it makes it so dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, one fun fact is that 20% of people who start traveling after two years only return to their permanent jobs or and get a receive a permanent job. So 80% of travel nurses that start continue travel nursing after two years. So just let you guys know if you guys plan on it, it's addicting in a sense. It'll get you hooked and you guys are going to be well on your road exploring all the different cities in America. Yeah, it's crazy because you see people like on Instagram and, and, and saying they want to travel. They wish they could travel more. And they're nurses and it's just like, there's a thing called travel and nursing. One thing you already do, which is nursing. Second thing is what you want to do is travel. Well, guess what? There's 
a career called travel nursing, which literally encompasses both of of, of the attributes that, that that you have and that you like. You know, so it's it's crazy because you make more money and you get to travel wherever you want. And if you like where you work, you could a ask for permanent position position there. I guarantee you, if we ask for a permanent position in our unit in Texas here, they would for sure say yes. They're for sure they're, they're short staffed on nights and they were without hesitation say yeah we'll hire you if you wanted to stay. You know we don't, but that that's like your option. And B, if you don't like where you where you work, it's only thirteen weeks. You have there's nothing beyond that contract that says hey you have to stay here for another thirteen weeks, another two or or another x amount of months, days or weeks. So you could dip, and that's all it is. You dip, you go somewhere else. Yeah, and it's cool because like. You, you and I, we haven't really had any thoughts of like settling down or anything like that, like permanently moving somewhere, right? So that's beautiful for us because we could literally travel anywhere across the United States and figure out what cities we like. Like, for example, when we compare Austin to how Long Beach was, we could say that Long Beach was a better enjoyable time than Austin is. Based on, yeah, the pad we had and yeah. everything, 100%. Right, even though Austin's really cool and has a lot of its perks, a lot of stuff to do here, it's wonderful, the unit's great. I just personally would choose this city over 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 Austin, and that's kind of the benefit you have of being a travel nurse. Is you could, if you do want to settle down in the next like five years, why don't you spend one year, two years of your life right now trying to figure out where you want to settle down? Because yeah. wherever you are right now doesn't have to be where you end up. Exactly. Now, one interesting thing too is let's just say you're in that phase of settling down. You find your boo boo, and you know the spot. You find your dream spot. You're Pop living a few there. Babies out. Yeah, you want to pop a few babies out and you want to find this permitted position. So one benefit of traveling or sync is, let's just say, and I'm going to make an example of Chicago because this is an idea that I had when I returned after my uh, first year of traveling or sync is if I'm not going to be in the mile radius of 50 miles or less, you can basically still get a contract, but they're going to pay you at an hourly rate, not your stipends. But what's cool about that is you get the in. So if you're applying to University of Chicago and you have a hard time getting in because it's union, it's great benefit, but there's a ton of applications, well, you just skipped the application process because you started traveling there. You picked up a contract. You already have the in. Now you know the manager. You're going to get to know her. And based on your personality, you might just get an offering if you want to end your contract and work staff. They'll do that to you because they already know you versus that resume that just laying on the side and they're going through it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a very, very big and valid point. Like yeah. if, you do, if you do want to settle down, you already have it in without the wait at these big teaching or university hospitals. Because if they're taking in travelers and if you could prove yourself in that 13 weeks, talk to a few people, get you know, be nice and cozy with the, with the, with the manager, there you go. Th- that, that's your way in. And guess what? You know, they're going to appreciate that because now they don't have to, now they don't have to pay this giant contract cost they have you as permanent nurse and they already vetted you because they gave you patience. You already know the unit because you've been there for 13 weeks compared to a new grad where they have to invest in, in you know, the teaching, the education, because guess what? For the first few months of that new nurse's career, they're shadowing. So you're basically paying two nurses to do one, one nurse's job. And that's a giant burden on these on these hospitals and the healthcare system is, is, new, is, is new grads because they, they are more expensive. And if you could somehow convince a traveler to stay permanent, that's an awesome thing. And that's actually really cool because I feel like that gives an incentive for these units that have travel nurses to make it a better experience for the travel nurse. Because as travel nurses, you see the, the shit shows of units that, 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 that you see and you don't want to work at. So if you want to really harness the power of travel nurses and their experience, if you're just a unit looking to hire, if you make it an enjoyable time on a unit for a travel nurse, 
that nurse could turn into a permanent position because you're not really sure what their long-term plans are. Maybe they do want to settle down and they just happen to be on your unit and they just happen to be like be like the your like the nurses there and like that unit. So they might stay. So that's why I feel like maybe units and managers could kind of focus on that and figure out a way how to make these travel nurses stay that would kind of help out the business model and just the unit in general and costs. Yes. And what the place I saw it a lot is San Diego. So San Diego is one of the most popular travel nursing areas. They don't pay as well, but you pay for the location, everything. Experience. There were so many nurses that I've talked to that were staff, and I talked about their experience. Like, yeah, I used to travel nurse. Multiple, multiple travel nurses stayed and became permanent. Mm-hmm. Some some couples that met in Ohio, traveled together, just said, I'm just live, living this life, and then ditching everything behind and just moving to San Diego. So yeah. it's totally doable. Right. For all you administrators out there, charge nurses, you know, managers listening to a couple of nurses, like we're going to do some some good points here. If you make a unit enjoyable and, and a good place to work and spend your time with, you're going to have better attention for your staff. And also you're going to have the retention for the travel nurses, which is really, really, really beneficial yeah. long-term. And when it comes to the unit, it's not necessarily like decorating it and putting a coffee maker in there. Those are cool perks, but it really does come down to culture. Mm. The way you're treating your staff nurses will directly reflect what they tell us and we call that a vibe, right? You understand the vibe of the unit and you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to know if you want to work there or not or how the staff are feeling. Yeah. Because if they come into work and complain, that already tells me all. Right. That already gives me the answer. I don't need to talk to the manager or, or anything. 100%. Because if you treat the travel nurse properly, because technically travel nurses are like the bottom of the totem pole. We're the contractor workers, so they usually give us the the, the shady situations, you know? So if, if a travel nurse comes in and realizes that, hey, this unit's taking care of me, and I'm a travel nurse, I'm not even part of this group, and they're making me feel like I'm a part of it, I'm going to want to work there. You know, the if, you know worst case scenario, I'm just going to renew my contract. Maybe I won't stay permanently, but maybe I'll, I'll renew my contract. And it's a lot easier for us to renew their contract because nurses usually settle for only a little bit more in pay, and they don't got to do the orientation. And they don't, they don't get vetted because they already know what's going on. So it's, there's a lot, a lot of benefits for uh, like for travel nursing, like the travel nurse nursing space. A lot. It's also another reason why we created a Pronto Health is because we want to help healthcare and especially nursing and, and allied positions to basically harness as much of themselves and of the environment that they work in as they can. Yeah, and ultimately we're going to empower every nurse that's listening that wants to be part of this because not only travelers, you know, you're going to have the option of choosing a permanent job or peer DM or traveling. You could bounce between all that under one job board. You're going to have your resume under one app, not needing to jump ship with different agencies and all that. Uh, but more to come about that. Yeah. And if you're interested in travel nursing, you guys can always give us a holler, DM us on socials, email us, and we'll try to connect you with, um, somebody that we know to get you an awesome rate or if you have any questions about travel nursing you can check out our free travel nursing guide and or the checklist just send us a dm as well or it's on the bottom of the description and we shall keep in touch yeah for sure just some quick uh, fun facts for you travel nurses out there or people that are maybe trying to travel nurse for the next couple of weeks or, or months uh the most popular contract spots in the united states are california texas and new york they also happen to be some of the most top paying ones, which also you know makes sense. Most popular cities are Denver, Colorado, New York, New York, Austin, Texas, Tucson, Arizona, San Diego, California, and also Dallas, Texas. So these are very popular cities. So you may be thinking, oh, they're so popular, I'll probably get paid the most. 
But a lot of times it's more about the experience in these cities than it is for actual contract. So a lot of times, you know, don't be surprised that, hey, a contract out in Bufu, Texas is going to pay more than Austin, Texas, because Austin, Texas is a known city. So a lot of people are going to want to go there because a lot of stuff to do. So a lot of times nurses are willing to take a little bit less pay, but to live more vicariously through the experience than it is yes. through the money. And um, some of the highest paying contracts are anywhere from five to 6,000. Anywhere lowest paying contracts are two to 3,000 uh, a week. I think three to five is like, is like the average. And of course, during a pandemic, those will go up a little higher. And also depending on um, location, those will go also a lot higher. Like there's some contracts in California. Of course, they're in Bufu, California, but they're going for 10K a week for 36 hours, which is which is insane. So you can make $130,000 potentially in just 13 weeks. And you could... Um, not work for rest of the rest of the year if you want take to take a break from nursing or invest in something or pay off your loans. It is all doable with travel nursing. So I would definitely give it a try mm -hmm. for those that are curious, interested, or on the verge of doing it. Just commit and give it a try. You will not regret it. Hundred percent. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Have a lovely weekend. Peace.